Now, if you would, look in your Bible to the book of Matthew, to chapter 6. The book of Matthew, and in chapter 6, here I'd like to read verse 5 through verse 13. Let's have a word of prayer before we read. Our Father, we do thank you again for another opportunity to look into your word. Pray that you'll help us each time that we open this book. We pray that you would give us understanding, help us to know more and more about our God and things that are in your word. As we meet this evening, we do pray for the family that has lost a loved one. We pray that you'd be with them and help them through this difficult time. We know that you give grace to help in time of need, and we're thankful for that. We pray for each member of this church and those especially that are sick. We ask you to watch over them and and care for them. Again, we thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're so thankful we have a Savior. We're thankful that you sent your Son into this world as a Savior save his people from their sins and we're thankful for that great work of salvation and redemption accomplished by Jesus Christ and it's in his name that I pray amen Matthew in chapter 6 I'm going to begin in verse 5 when thou prayest Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it is in, on earth, in earth, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Before we look at this text, you might hold your place here. We'll go to the book of Luke in chapter 11. The book of Luke and in chapter 11, here we'll read verse 1 through verse 4. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that he, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. 
And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as, it, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In giving these words, Jesus is uh, speaking here on two separate occasions. I think many have the idea that this is the same occasion in both of these readings, in Matthew and in Luke, but they are on two separate occasions. Many Bibles, maybe yours does, at the top of the page in the middle margin, it gives you some dates. And you might note that the wording in Matthew chapter 6 was in A.D. 31, that in Luke was A.D. 33. So it's, it's a time period in between these two uh, words here of Jesus Christ, these two different occasions. And what we have given to us, we refer to it as the model prayer, sometimes the disciples' prayer. And that in Matthew in chapter 6 is a part of the Sermon on the Mount at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Sometimes later, as it's recorded in Luke chapter 11, as Jesus' disciples observed him in prayer, they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And I think I've mentioned before in the wording in, in Luke chapter 11 and in verse 1, we get an insight into the ministry of John the Baptist. They said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. John had disciples that were with him, and John not only preached everywhere that he went, but he spent time evidently teaching his disciples to pray. There are many things in both of these texts that attract my attention. <clears throat> I notice the patience of Jesus Christ, the consistency in both of these different occasions, although a, there's a time period in between what we have in both of these texts, but I, I just notice the patience that Jesus had with his disciples. In Matthew chapter 6, he had taught them both how to pray and how not to pray. If you look in Matthew chapter 6, in verses 5 through verse 8, he teaches them how not to pray. And then in verses 9 through verse 13, he teaches them how to pray. So he tells them these things in the early part of his ministry, but sometime later, the disciples of the Lord ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus patiently, without rebuking them, he could have said, I've already told you. But instead of that, 
he patiently once again tells them again how they are to pray. My intent this evening is not to go over the model prayer again. We've done that several times. But I do want to look at one particular petition in the model prayer, and it's recorded in Matthew 6 and also in Luke chapter 11. And I'll, I'll mention this. Brother Ed Colley and I are good friends, and we often communicate with each other once or twice, at least a week. And we simply ask each other questions. And we do that just to cause each other, other to study different things that we may not have, have thought about. And while he was here at our conference, Brother Colley asked me a question. And it was concerning Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13. The words, lead us not into temptation. Brother Colley's question had two parts. Why should we ask the Lord to lead us not into temptation? Does God actually lead us into temptation? You know, we've all memorized this model prayer for years, but it's so easy to read over that phrase in Matthew 6, verse 13, lead us not into temptation and give it no thought. But why should we pray? Lead us not into temptation. You know the word that's translated temptation in verse 13 of our text has at least two different meanings and both of them are certainly correct. Most of the time the context dictates the meaning. The word can literally mean testings or trials or it can mean an enticement or a solicitation to sin or to do evil. So if you look at verse 13 of Matthew 6, either meaning you apply to those words, we still have the question. Why should we pray, lead us not into temptation? It's something that we need to give thought to. Keep that in mind and if in verse 13, if the word means testings or trials, if that's the meaning you would apply to it, that, why should we pray for the Lord to lead us not into testings or trials? Go with me to the book of James, if you would. In the book of James and in chapter 1, James and in chapter 1, verse 2, James did write, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Same word. So if you use the word 
in Matthew 6.13 to mean testings or trials, you'd have to have the same application here. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Look at verse 12 of the same context. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Now, keep those two statements in mind, if you would, and just turn over to the book of 1 Peter to chapter 1. In 1 Peter and in chapter 1, I'll begin here in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now considering James 1 verse 2 and also verse 12 and what we have here in verse 6 and in verse 7, it just brings up questions. If we are to count it all joy when we fall into different kinds of temptations, trials, or tests, why should we pray lead us not into these testings or trials? If the trial of your faith, as stated here in 1 Peter 1 verse 7, is more precious than gold, why should we pray Lead us not into something that is so precious. Why should we pray that? There are just things here to consider and to think about. Go with me to the book of Matthew and in chapter 26. In Matthew and in chapter 26. And I want to read here verse 36 through verse 41. Matthew 26, verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here, while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, 
O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Now notice the next words. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, the question. If testings and trial are good for our faith, and we should rejoice in them, why should the disciples pray this prayer that Jesus says here in verse 41? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. There's another place that came to my mind. It's in John chapter 6. In John in chapter 6, and here I'll read verse 1 through verse 6. John in chapter 6, verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them, that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? The next words is what I want you to notice. This he said to prove him, to test him. Again, why should we pray? Lead us not into testings or trials. Why should we pray? Lead us not into those things that will prove us and, and test us. I'm going to go back and read it in Genesis in chapter 22. You're all familiar with this. But the wording, again, we notice in Genesis in chapter 22. And in verse 1 and verse 2. Genesis 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. That God did try Abraham. He tested Abraham. And said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering, upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. That was a pretty good test. But again, Scripture holds true. 
the, the trial of our faith is much more precious than gold. Count it all joy when you fall into divers testings and temptations. I could go there, but I won't. Just remember Job, what testings he went through. Go with me to the book of Luke in chapter 4. The book of Luke and in chapter 4. And I mentioned earlier that the answer to the questions concerning Matthew 6, 13 and what's recorded in Luke 11 is not as easily answered as we might think. You remember in Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and verse 2, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. Now it says here, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The book of Mark, you might want to look sometime, chapter 1 and verse 12, says that he was driven by the Spirit. Driven there to be tempted, tested, proved by what he endured there for those 40 days with the devil. It's clear to me that testings and trials come from the Lord. And they are for our good. We all grow in the things of God by the test that we go through. Use the word temptation or whatever. We, we grow thereby. We are strengthened in the things of God by the test that we go through. Just a reminder in James chapter 1 and in verse 12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, that endures the test and the trial. For or because when he is tried, when he's tested, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So consider the wording in the model of prayer. Lead us not into temptation. If the meaning there is lead us not into testings or trials, why should we pray there? If there are such blessings associated with the testings and trials that we have in our life. Now, I guess we'll switch gears here in Matthew 6 and in verse 13. And now instead of considering the word temptation in verse 13 as trials or testings, consider the other meaning, enticement to sin, solicitations to do evil. What if the word temptation carried that meaning. Jesus said, here's the manner in which we are to pray. Our Father, 
Lead us not into temptation. Consider the word meaning, lead us not into enticement to sin. Now keep that in mind. We'll go back to the book of James once again. James in chapter 1. And this time verse 13, and we'll keep this in mind. In James 1 and in verse 13, James did write, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God does not encourage, entice, or solicit anyone to do evil. God cannot be accused nor held accountable for any part of our sin. We need to keep that in mind. His holiness would forbid that. In James 1, verse 14, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. There's the fault in sin. You'll notice Verse what stated in verse 13, the word but in the beginning of verse 14 shows a contrast. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any, any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Do you notice the petition in Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 13? It is not, tempt us not, but rather it is lead us not into temptation. The prayer is not praying to God for God not to tempt us because God tempts no man. To do evil. But the petition in verse 13 is lead us not into temptation. Or we, we could say lead us not into a position, a circumstance, a, a place where we will be enticed to sin. Go with me to the book of Psalms. In Psalm 141. Psalm 141. There's ten verses in this psalm and we'll read them all. Psalm 141, verse 1. David, speaking to the Lord. Lord, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me, Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Now verse 4 is important. Incline not my heart to any evil thing, 
practice wicked works with men that work iniquity, and let me not eat of their dainties. That the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness. Let him reprove me, it shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head, for yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. When their judges are overthrown in stony places, they shall hear my words, for they are sweet. Our bones are scattered at the grave's mouth, as when one cutteth and cleaveth wood upon the earth. But my eyes are under thee, O God the Lord. In thee is my trust. Leave not my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares which they have laid for me and the gins of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets whilst that I withal escape. In the model of prayer, lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into a place, position, circumstance where we would be encouraged or enticed to sin. Verse 4 again seems to have the same meaning. Incline not my heart to any evil thing. It's what a man after God's own heart prayed to his God. Incline not my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity. Verse 9, keep me from the snares. Keep me from the snares which they have laid for me. Go with me from there to the 19th Psalm. In, in Psalm 19, and I'll read verse 13, notice the prayer of David to his God. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgressions. Keep back thy servant. He's asking for the Lord to intervene in his life and keep him back from presumptuous sins. And again, the wordings, words of David seem to have the same meaning of Matthew 6, 13. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us not to the place of temptation. Lead us not. Keep thy servant back. Don't let me go there, was the prayer of David. If you notice in Matthew in chapter 6, in verse 13, there is both a negative and a positive. Lead us not 
into temptation. But deliver us from evil. The model tells us we are to pray that our Father does not do one thing, but that he does another thing. Instead of leading us into temptation, deliver us from that evil. Deliver us from that evil. I'll point out in verse 13, the word evil in the original has a definite article in front of it, and that's important. It is the evil. could be understood as the evil one, the devil himself, or the evil thing that we might encounter whereby we would yield to temptation and sin. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, but deliver us from evil. Notice the context. Notice verse 12 with verse 13. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Could be understood, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our sins as we forgive our debtors. Notice how verse 13 immediately follows that. Forgive us our debts, our sins, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation. As we forgive our debtors, forgive us as we forgive our debtors, and don't let us be enticed to sin what sin would that be to say we forgive but yet hold a grudge to later on bring up that trespass that we say we have forgiven in verse 12 and bring it up again we pray to the Lord lead us not to a state of mind where we would commit that evil of bringing it up again. There are many different circumstances in life that entice people to sin. Just circumstances. There are many who have been in poverty over the years that have stolen things to feed their family. Maybe stolen bread, stolen food. Their family was destitute. They were enticed to steal when God said, Thou shalt not steal. But the circumstances encouraged them, enticed them to sin. On the other hand, there are those who have plenty. They have wealth. But yet they misuse and abuse their resources for evil gain and evil purposes. Lord, instead of leading us into temptation such as that, deliver us from that evil. 
deliver us from that evil. There's some believers, and I guess it would be, might relate to all of us, that when we are around or in the company of unbelievers, sometimes it would be very easy to go along with some things they say or some things they do. Lord, lead me not into that temptation. Deliver me from that evil. Among members of the Lord's churches, I think there should be a constant petition. Lord, lead me not into temptation, to a place where I would sin against you, against your church, against a fellow church member. Deliver me from such a thing. I know in particular in the Lord's churches, pastors need to pray that. Many have fallen into the sin of thinking of themselves far more highly than they ought to. They ought to pray. Lead us not into temptation. When it's time for the church of the Lord to assemble and worship God, but there are other events going on, maybe among friends or among family, what do you do? Pray, Lord, lead me not into the temptation to forsake the assembly. There's much in the prayer. There's just an endless list of things we could, could mention. But the manner in which Jesus said we are to pray is, Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. As we close, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 6, the model prayers it's given there. If you just sort of skim over it and look at it, you might notice that the word I or me is not found in the model prayer. Rather than having I or me, you'll find the word our us and we. It's not a prayer that just involves us as individuals. We're not to pray, my Father, which is in heaven. In verse 11, we're not to pray, give me this day my daily bread, nor in verse 12, forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtors, and it's not lead me not into temptation. It's a prayer for God's people. We're to pray one for another. And again, I or me is not here. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. A prayer we pray for ourselves, but not only for ourselves, but for other saints also.